Broadcasting from within the borders of the greatest success story the world has ever known, the United States of America. It's time for an honest discussion from a fresh, new conservative voice. C.L. Bryant Show. Welcome back. Welcome back, everybody, throughout the fruited plains of the greatest nation on the face of the planet, the greatest success story the world has ever known, and that is America. I want to thank each and every one of you who come along with us daily as we build the bridge to conversation throughout this great nation. You're listening to the C.L. Bryant Show. I am C.L. Bryant, and uh, hey, it uh, is one of those days where we are going to have a vast array of conversation for you. But first, I want to thank all of our, our folks who listen via our flagship station, Red State Talk. And uh, we, of course, are the largest talk platform in the nation. And all of you traveling through Times Square, you be sure to look up above Ripley's Believe It or Not at the Red State Talk billboard. And uh, every hour, the C.L. Bryant Show does pop up there on that billboard. And old C.L.'s face is looking right back at you. And if you don't get to the both hours, the two hours of this show, what you want to do is download the C.L. Bryant Show onto your favorite device, the C.L. Bryant Show. It's a free download in the App Store. All of the shows are cataloged there. Be sure to download that. Go to the website, theclbryantshow.com. Come follow me on Twitter at Rev C L Bryant. And again, the many thousands of you listening across the fruited plains and of course around the globe. We want to thank you for being there for us and making our show as popular as it has become. Many of you are very familiar. In fact, all of you are very familiar with my good friend. I call him California Ted Hayes. He is an advocate for um, homeless uh, people in uh, California. He's been a leading voice, uh, and I'm doing everything I can to make him a more exposed voice uh, to what um, to national figures, to people who can actually uh, help amplify his voice. And he uh, is one of your favorites on the show, and he has now introduced me to someone who I think is going to be a regular on the show as well. It is her first time on with me. Uh, she is a United States Air Force veteran, and she has joined the fight with Ted uh, to bring light to issues that many of us are not paying attention to, and that'll cost us if, in fact, we don't pay attention to it. And particularly all of uh, my black folks, and, and you get mad at me for, for saying it like that. I want you to tune in and listen to what I'm, uh, what we're about to talk about here because it will affect you and you white folks too. You need to pay attention to what's about to be said here today. Help me welcome to the show for the very first time, Robin O'Bannon. Thank you for being on with me. How are you, friend? 
Good morning. Is it still morning where you are? Um, yes, it is. It still <laughs> morning, is. Theo. How are you? I'm doing fantastically well, Robin, and really glad to have you on. Uh, Ted has done nothing but sung your praises since uh, he first mentioned your name. Robin, tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, uh, your background, and uh, where you hail from, as we say in this nation, in this part of the nation. And uh, then let's get into our conversation. Well, um, the more I, I, I look back on my life, I've had a lot of time to, time to reflect, CL. Um, I'm starting to see uh, how and why I hail from where I hail. I am a retired United States Air Force uh, tech sergeant. Uh, I have served in uh, both peacetime and war. Uh, I am truly uh, a patriot, but not a blind one by any any stretch of the imagination. Uh, I was born in Chicago, Illinois, but my family is from Mississippi, Louisiana. Really? And so um, you are you are, yes yes go visit my grandparents' graves. <laughs> they're there. They're not going anywhere. <laughs> but yeah, uh, absolutely. And um, I was born into uh, and born at the tail end of a generation that gives me enough credibility to talk about what we're going to talk about today. But yes, um, I love this country. I love this nation. I love all of my brothers and sisters that reserve, that reside within its borders, and my brothers and sisters that reserve that reside outside of its borders as well. Absolutely, and uh, you know that is something that we're going to touch on because we certainly don't want to come off as someone who are xenophobes, and we're not. And Robin, I want to thank you on behalf of uh, a vast audience uh, for your service to our nation in your military service. Let's get into our conversation by uh, talking about what. What is uh, going on as far as illegal immigration is concerned? Is there some type of design uh, that we're uh, seeing as far as the homeless who on in, in Ted's city of Los Angeles, um, they mostly tend to be of uh, uh, people of color, whereas I know that wasn't the case 35 years ago, but. What is is there a design behind that? What is your take on suddenly we have homeless veterans and uh, also many people who have basically dropped out? I think talk to us about that. What how how do you explain this phenomenon if you if you want to call it that? Well, CL, I'm just a sovereign citizen that's done her homework. Um, the expert in this in the area of, of homelessness is definitely uh, Ted Hayes, um, but he has been a mentor to me over these past few years, and it's helped me kind of understand what my piece of the puzzle is. And I think the first thing that I can say is that things are not always what they seem to be. We as human beings have a tendency to categorize things in ways that we understand without understanding that these things are actually all connected one to another. And I think that's how Ted and I ended up working together um, on, uh, on the 14th Amendment issues and, uh, and what's going on as far as our citizens of color, um, to, to coin your phrase, um, are concerned. Um, I think that there are connections that are, that are drawn or that are not drawn that need to be drawn. And one of the things is that um, at any time, at any given time in the country, there are no less than two American experience, experiences occurring simultaneously. Um, and it's as if they only intersect when something bad happens. 
and if something good does happen, we don't hear about it because I guess if it, you know, I guess that that follows the adage: if it bleeds, it leads. It's not bleeding. People are actually getting along, and they're coming to solutions and, and conclusions together. Uh, so you, we don't hear about we don't hear about those things. Um, but there is uh, an excessive uh, homeless veteran population. I myself was a homeless veteran. Uh, it's a place that I never thought that I would uh, that I would end up. Um, and you know, I can only tell you my take and my interpretation. And I think the best way to um, to bring it all together is a quote by Paul Farmer. And I I'm terrible at quotes. It's like I'm terrible at quoting scripture, but I can give you the I can give you the gist of it. And it says that the root of all that is wrong in the world is the idea that some lives are worth less. Um, and and that idea. Uh, is a, actually a significant part of our history. So my take on all of this is what we're seeing today, CL, there are actually consequences, symptoms of unfinished business from our past. Wow. Wow. Uh, folks, I don't want you to miss that, and I hope I get this right. The root of uh, all evil, to paraphrase, I guess, uh, is what I'm doing is uh, the idea that some lives are wor- worth less. Uh, Robin, thank you for that, because that is an absolute launching platform for this conversation. And uh, as we, we, we move agree. along, I, you know what? I, I want to, I, I don't think that we can do this conversation justice if we don't get uh, the, the story behind what caused you yourself, a United States Air Force veteran, tech sergeant, to wind up homeless. You see, Robin, so many people ask this question, and I, of course, don't have an adequate answer for them because I've never been homeless. I've worked with the homeless. I've uh, worked among the homeless. But I, I, I couldn't answer that question adequately. You can. Please Tell us, give us some insight into the chain of events that can lead a person who should never wind up homeless in this country, yet homeless. Talk to us about it. Well, I I think the first thing that comes to mind, CL, is that it can happen to anyone. Um, there is no particular um, there, there's no particular set of circumstances that say you will be or you won't be homeless. It can happen. It really can happen to anyone. Um, my particular uh, set of circumstances was that um, I actually served in the uh, in the Persian Gulf in the uh, in the Gulf War during uh, Operations Desert Shield, Desert Storm, and Southern Watch. And I think that. Um, my my life, as far as being, I was a, I was a fitness coach, and and uh, among other things, um, my health is probably what sustained me for as long as I was for as long as I could be sustained. And uh, what happened was um, a perfect storm occurred in my life, a perfect storm of stress. Um, I lost both of my parents within eight months of each other unexpectedly. I had to handle all of their estate issues from where I was. They were in Florida, and I was in I was in Texas. Um, I had gone through divorce. I had come out of a career field that was extremely um, stressful. Uh, the recruiting career field. Uh, there's a common adage that that goes with that says they eat their own, and they can. Um, there's very much a lot of natural man stuff going on uh, there in the in the recruiting field. Um, it was just a perfect storm of stress and just crazy going on in my life. 
Well, at the time, what I didn't know was that there are things that were going on in my body that that uh, doctors suspect have a lot to do with uh, environmental factors that I experienced over in the over in the Persian Gulf, as well as um, uh, vaccinations and and other things. So the the bottom line is, I got up to go for a run with my troops one morning, and I collapsed on the floor, and that was back in 2004, and I've never been the same since. Yeah. And um, it led to my being medically retired at 18 years' time in service. And um, I was raising two young boys uh, on my own. I was divorced. Um, I was a single mom. And um, my health was continuing to decline, so my earning potential was nil. And it took about 40 days for an 18-year career to come to an end. And fortunately, I was uh, I was debt-free at the time, but... Um, I uh, I stayed afloat as long as I could on my savings. Um, my responsibilities didn't change, CL, but my financial status and my career status did change. I spent most of the time in and out of hospitals, and there was no time before I ended up losing my home. Wow. And uh, it, it really was, it was that rapid, and it was that simple. But can I tell you, I do see the blessings in it. Because nobody can tell me that I don't understand because I've actually been there and done that. What a testimony, folks. I mean, that is absolutely incredible and a testament to the human spirit of this uh, quintessential American woman. When we look at uh, the homeless situation in this country in regard and in lieu of the uh, influx of illegal aliens into this country, uh, Robin, is there something that Americans who advocate this type of open border uh, influx, is there something they're missing that perhaps you can shed light on? And what should black people look to when we talk about the 14th Amendment? What should Americans, the president of the United States, look to when we're talking about the 14th Amendment? How do they tie in? Talk to us. Ooh, that's a lot of questions. Let's see. Uh, I always wondered if I was going to be sharp enough to keep up with you in a conversation. Let me see. Um, you know, again, if we can look at the illegal immigration, and it is illegal immigration situation um, in the in the country, if we can look at the division that exists in the country, if we can look at all of these things that are that are tearing us apart from the inside out, if we can look at them as symptoms of something greater, and we can see ourselves as a family, um, then what I have uh, what I have seen personally, because uh, I, I do some coaching and counseling here uh, in the great state of Arizona, there is always a point of origin for that fire. There is always a place where we have gotten off track. I mean, even with the Hatfields and the McCoys, there had to be something that, you know, that was dividing them, and they eventually forgot what they were fighting about. And I think that if we understood our history more, um, if if we knew our history, then we would understand, CL, that there's not a black history, just like there's no Hispanic history. There's none of, There's American history. And neither um, – and, and if we choose to be divided in this way, these experiences did not occur in a vacuum. Just because we choose to remember them that way doesn't mean that they happen that way, and this is not serving us. So we're all one people, whether we like it or not. We are all, um, we are all children of God, whether we like it or not. 
Um, and uh, the sooner we begin to see things through the lens of divine providence, meaning putting uh, our creator who is at the center of our constitution and our declaration, we put him at the forefront, then we are able to see much more clearly that the way that we have divided up this situation and the way we've chosen to see it is wrong. And it's actually hurting all of us. This is not a black problem. This is not a Hispanic problem. This is not a white problem. This is a heart problem, and it's an American problem. Wow. So viewing things through the lens of divine providence is the first thing that we, that we need to look at. I mean, we're looking at it all wrong. If we're willing to concede that we don't know everything, and if we're willing to be humble and teachable and have courage to act on what we learn, I think that we'll probably have a better chance of surviving as a republic. Wow. Hey, Robin. Uh, what was your question? You lo- <laughs> I mean, listen, listen, you preached, you preached, girl. I mean, to tell you the truth, that is so, so true. I could not agree with you more. And and, and friends, um, what Robin has reminded us of are uh, the cornerstone words in our founding document, the Declaration, Declaration of Independence. And that is we are endowed. We, all of us, are endowed by our creator with certain unable rights yes. individually and among these is life liberty and the pursuit of happiness robin i want you to stay with me uh through the break I, there's much much more that i'd like to talk with you about i am on with robin o'bannon uh air force veteran retired tech sergeant of the united states air force and we want to thank her for her service and uh, i can tell right now that this is a keeper we must have you back on there are several topics that I would like to explore with you that time won't allow today uh, for us to explore. We do have nearly another uh, 40 minutes left in this interview, folks. And so you want to uh, call a tech, text a friend, call a friend, whatever, and tell them to tune in to the show uh, because this is one that you can take away from you and talk about around the water coolers, your kitchen table, or wherever you may converse with other Americans. This is the C.L. Bryant Show. I am C.L. Bryant. Download free the C.L. Bryant Show, the C.L. Bryant Show app onto your Android, iPhone, or favorite device. Go to the website, vclbryantshow.com, and, of course, follow me on Twitter at Rev C.L. Bryant. Hey, uh, it is one of these days where uh, I think if you uh, pay attention it could turn into, and it has already been, one of those teachable moments. Isn't that amazing? And ain't that America something to see? I'll be back after a few brief words, and all of you uh, stay tuned. And I, you folks in Toledo, Toledo, Ohio, I'll be up there with you on Saturday morning. I'll be at, up there on Saturday morning, and my colleagues Steve Moore, Steve Moore, will be with you Saturday night at a big Ohio uh, Republican deal that y'all got going up there. And uh, well, it's not. Toledo's Columbus, Columbus, Ohio. And I'll be telling you more about that uh, as the show go on. And so uh, just hang tight. Stay tuned. We're going to talk about uh, Representative Omar as well here on this show. Big time in the second hour. And if you don't get the second hour, download the app, The C.L. Bryant Show. I'll be back. Don't go anywhere.
Red State Talk Radio is now available as a voice command on your Amazon Echo and Echo Dot by simply saying, Alexa, play Red State Talk Radio. Red State Talk Radio on TuneIn. Turn to every single American. Now, we've been hearing all these stories about sanctuary cities, sanctuary cities that... You can now find us on the Amazon Echo and Echo Dot on TuneIn, on iHeartRadio, and we also have the phone apps in the App Store for your particular phone. And just in case we activated your Echo Dot, Alexa, stop. CL back with you on this great day in the USA, and it will remain that way as long as you stand up for the Republic. On with me is someone who has worn the uniform of our great nation uh, through the ups and downs and the trail journey that she has taken uh, and lived in her life. Uh, she sees the blessings even of going through homelessness, homelessness uh, to the point where she is now carrying a message of not only the good news of our Lord and and uh, our faith, but also the good news of America. She is Robin O'Bannon, and uh, she's my special guest here today. Robin, there is something that you said in uh, the last segment that I, I don't want to be lost on uh, people who might just be tuning in or for people who are just tuning in. And, and, and that is, she pointed out to us that the problem is not a, a black problem or a white problem or a Hispanic problem when it comes to immigration <clears throat> and pardon me, and uh, perhaps even anything else that we can point to uh, in this nation. Uh, the divides that are in this nation, she pointed out to us, are, are certainly by choice that is segregated and we choose to make them about color. And uh, that in itself, uh, as far as I uh, read that, if we as Americans would understand just how profound that statement is, uh, I, I think we can go a long way to healing uh, our, or to God healing our land. Robin, um, as we continue our conversation, let me ask you this then. Uh, when we talk about um, the, the influx, and of course you, you're from the great state of Arizona. I have many friends out there. In fact, I'll be out there myself uh, coming up in September, and I'd certainly love to cross paths uh, with you. When we talk about uh, immigration, there are a lot of people who think that uh, Americans are taking a xenophobic look uh, at uh, this this problem. We don't want people here. Uh, it turn us into haters if you have a certain ideology as far as politics is concerned. Uh, speak to us about uh, the misconception, perhaps, that uh, some factions of politics in the progressive liberal uh, movement uh, may have as far as the viewpoint of fellow Americans who feel as though folks should come here legally instead of the open border approach. Talk to us about that. Well, I, I uh, thank you, Phil. I, I think that, um, first of all, you know, we hear we are a nation of laws and 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 everything. And I, again, we have a tendency to make 
at, at risk of sounding absolutely crass, we have a tendency to make stuff about stuff that ain't the stuff that we need to be focused on. I got you. I got you. Um, and, and, okay, and, and, and surely uh, we should always uh, do what we can to help our, our brothers and sisters and to love our brothers and sisters. But there have been things that have already been set up in order to help them that do need to be worked on. And that is um, Article 1, Section 8 of the Constitution, uh, where, where Congress can, can make that happen, the naturalization of citizens. And very often what is thrown at, um, thrown at the situation is uh, the 14th Amendment. Uh, and and if you don't follow the Fourteenth Amendment this way, then you know then you're racist and 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 all of this all of this craziness that's going on. Well, this nation, our borders are more porous and less secure than any other country in the world. I mean, everybody else has better immigration immigration than than we do, and and we're supposed to be the promised land. So, um, but again. I don't really believe that this is about illegal immigration. I believe illegal immigration is a symptom of unfinished business that is left in the nation. It's a symptom of of things that were not handled or fully taken care of or fully executed. And then to use the 14th Amendment um, to to usurp the uh, the people for whom the amendment amendment was written, that's even more criminal. We hurt our, we hurt ourselves in that way. And um, it, it's it's not just about the Fourteenth Amendment, though, CL. It, it is about um, the the law that that burst it, not being fully executed and never being fully executed in the history of the country. And so we have issues with illegal immigration. We have sanctuary cities. We even have issues with homelessness and abortion. All of those things are actual actual symptoms of unfinished business. Does that make sense? Yes, absolutely it does. And let's even bring it into more clarity. Uh, Dr. King back in 1963 spoke of uh, the fact, spoke to the fact that he had gathered uh, the hundreds of thousands that had uh, gathered there at, at the Lincoln Memorial to cash a promissory note. In other words, a check that had been written by those old white men, the founding fathers of this nation. He came to cash that check, the promissory note. Now, I know you and Ted talk a lot about this promissory note, Robin. But uh, as we talk about the 14th Amendment and we talk about the unfinished business, tell us about the promissory note that uh, that can can be cashed. But so many of us have not cashed it, particularly those who are in uh, the legislature, uh, understanding that this should work for everyone legally in this nation of laws. Talk to us about that promissory note and express uh, more to us uh, the clarity of the unfinished business. Robin O'Bannon. Okay, now this is just a gospel according to Robin, <laughs> but, <laughs> but Ted does sign on does sign on for this. You remember I said that there's a point of origin in um, where there's where families are, are having issues and they're and they're breaking and they're breaking up. We were at an amazing uh, amazing point at the end of the Civil War um, at, with the abolition of slavery because that was a long fought. Uh, and, and a hard fight uh, for so many people, uh, and it really was between those who were trying to do uh, the will of God and knew that the that the nation would not survive if we had forgotten Him, and those who thought that their way was best. 
you know, um, when I look at um, at the history of, of slavery in the world and then the way um, slavery was done in the United States, of all places in the world, the United States was the one place it never should have existed because it was resting upon uh, the, the ideals that all men are created equal. We did everything that we could in order for that not to be not to be um, violated, and we did it badly in that when we say that all men are created equal, then we say, well, then what's a man? Well, that's not a man <laughs> so yeah. because that person over there who has a different skin color than mine uh, that has been enslaved as human property or chattel, because we're talking about chattel slavery, not indentured servitude, but chattel slavery, where you are born a slave and you will die a slave. Um, if we make that person less than human, then uh, then we're good, right? No, no, we're not good. And God is not forgotten. So in um in this on December sixth of eighteen sixty eight ratified was this law called the Civil Rights Act of eighteen sixty six that had it been fully executed, um, we would not have needed uh, subsequent civil rights acts. And the problem was that everybody was not on board because laws do not change the hearts of men. Only God can do that. So we we had about, oh, maybe 11 years of progress after the abolition of, of slavery and after the, uh, the end of the Civil War and with the inception of the Emancipation Proclamation. About 11 years. I mean, it didn't I, – I, if I'm not mistaken, even Louisiana um, had elected a black governor. Yes. So Pinch there back. were things that were going on up until – until the yes, up until the year of 1877, and I call that that turning point or that point of origin. Well, what was that? It was a compromise, and it's called the Republican Democrat um, compromise. And I try not to give too much information because I want people to get get in the habit of looking things up that are hidden in plain sight. But it was that compromise between the Democrat and the Republican Party that basically halted the progress of those who had become free men. And so we we began to see the um the solidi- the solidifying of what were called the black codes which turned into Jim Crow laws. Uh we saw that uh, happen after um during and after uh, the year 1877 because we had not we had not turned away there's something to be said about, about the repentance process, and the repentance process is, is, is part of that is acknowledging what was wrong and turning away from it. We never fully did that, um, and, and, that's, and that's the unfinished business that I'm talking about. So even though the laws changed and slavery was abolished, what many people don't understand was that slavery was abolished in name only. Wow. There are other things that remained, and they still remain to this day. Uh, there are even uh, movements out there that suggest, and they have evidence, um, evidence too, slavery never ended. It just went underground. Wow. That is uh, an incredibly provocative thought. And in light of you saying that, that does uh, 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 give us a, a 
perfect lead-in to uh, the reparations question. Uh, Some will say that your argument can bear strength to both sides of that argument. And I do want you to speak now for yourself on the question, then, of reparations, since uh, you do acknowledge that uh, slavery has never really ended. And, and, and folks, uh, I'm gonna ha- I, I have to have her back now so that we can investigate this even further. But for the remainder of, of uh, our conversation here today, I want to stay on both of our lanes. And, uh, and I, next time we're on, I'm going to have on with me and Robin, uh, California Ted. Uh, but just the same, Robin, give us then your take on uh, the pro or the con of reparations and the movement by uh, some in Congress and around the nation who would want to give compensation to the children of former slaves, chattel slaves in this country, uh, you know, substance, money uh, for them having come from families who were enslaved. What's your take on it? Oh, wow. Um, <clears throat> this this work, uh, CL, uh, was only able to take root and grow when when seeking actual justice. And in seeking actual justice, and that's what Dr. King called for, too, not victory, but justice. Um, it could only be seen when we look through the lens of the one who was the most just. So, Again, we can't continue trying to do the right things for the wrong reasons. Um, but when we look through the lens of divine providence, um, it, it's 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 like the path to citizenship that 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 the 14th Amendment and the Civil Rights Act of 1866 allude to. It's that there are two distinctly different experiences occurring in the country at that time, that of free men and those who immigrated of their own free will, and those. Um, of of slaves, of chattel slaves, and that matters uh, as much today as it did um, as it did then. Um, so when we talk about reparations and we talk about the 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 unique path to citizenship that had to be created for these particular individuals, then we can more, we can more clearly see what the role of reparations would be. That reparations are also part of that unfinished business deal. Um, it, it, reparations are they are uh, it, it's a, a repairing or a keeping in repair or the act of making amends, uh, offering expiation, uh, giving satisfaction for a wrong or injury. Now I don't know what monetary price somebody can put on that. I I I concede or I. I say that there really isn't. You know, how much is the the lives and the suffering of your ancestors worth to you? So I don't think that it could be written off with a check. I believe that there are reparative efforts where money could be part of it and, and how that money is used and distributed could be part of it as well. But it's not just about a check. It can't be about a check, especially not in the eyes of a creator who made us all equal Yet there are parts of our history or significant parts of our history that dictate uh, we'll overstep our bounds and say that what God said was not so. Oh, man. So it's not just to the descendants of chattel slavery that reparative efforts need to be made. It's 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 to God Almighty. It's to the one who set this this nation into motion in the first place. 
And part of um, repentance is reparative efforts as well. So this is not about money. It couldn't well, be further from the truth. It may take money to get some of these things done, but it's it's far deeper than that. Let me far uh, then more important than that. let me then interject this into the conversation. I hope you can stay with me uh, through this uh, final break uh, that we have here coming up uh, in your interview. But let me interject this into it because I'm asked this a lot. I crisscross the nation once a month, almost every month, speaking somewhere, and I'm asked this on campuses, churches, uh, civic organizations, and it is this. If we uh, do, and, and I write, I so agree with you that it has to be more. It has to be about more than a check, because the question that comes to me is seven hundred over seven hundred thousand white men uh, who may have never even seen a slave uh, lost their lives and their families lost them in the freeing of chattel slaves. If we open this can of worms, Robin, and we only have about two minutes left in this particular segment, so we're going to pick this up on the other side of the break. If we open this can of worms, and I do believe what you're saying about um, uh, uh, repentance is something that uh, has to seriously be analyzed for what it truly is uh, to bring the healing from God to our nation. But what about the families of those who lost their lives freeing the slaves? Would they not have a case to bring as well as those who uh, lived through slavery and are now enjoying the same fruits, or at least at least have opportunity, as they would tell, say to me, uh, the benefits of the fruited plains of America. And when we come back on the other side of the break, uh, folks, uh, we're going to talk about this. Uh, and this is the bridge to conversation that I always uh, tell you this show is dedicated to doing. You never have to agree with anything that I I say, but friends, if you don't talk about those things that are deeply concerning to our history, then we're spinning our wheels on anything else. If we get angry, if we uh, uh, agree that we're we're never going to hear you because uh, you're not saying what I want you to say, this is the conversation that need to be had. And Robin, I have to tell you, uh, you are more than a worthy conversationalist for this old boy from Louisiana. And uh, I, I have to tell you that it is just an absolute delight uh, to talk to you. And uh, we'll also bring into this conversation with Robin O'Banion, O'Bannon who is my uh, guest, special guest here today. And, hey, she's going to be back. There is so much more. I, I can tell that we've just primed this pump here, and there's a, a, a well of water uh, to be had for the American thirst in this conversationalist that I have Amen. on with me uh, here today. Uh, we, we must bring in the fact that um, uh, chattel slaves, um, I know my family's been here since the 1700s, uh, have been here over 400 years but yet you have immigrants from uh, Nigeria, Somalia, uh, Jamaica, where have you, Russia, Vietnam, wherever, uh, come to this nation. And seemingly they do better with the American experience than those of us who should 
through our birthright and DNA be doing much better than we are. We're going to discuss that and cover that topic with Robert Robin Robin O'Bannon when I return with more of the CL Bryan show. Don't you go anywhere. I'll be right back. You thought I was worth saving. So you came and changed my life. You thought I was worth So you clean me up inside You thought I was to die Red State Talk Radio is now available as a voice command on your Amazon Echo and Echo Dot by simply saying, Alexa, play Red State Talk Radio. Red State Talk Radio on TuneIn. Turn to every single American. Now, we've been hearing all these stories about sanctuary cities, sanctuary cities that... You can now find us on the Amazon Echo and Echo Dot, on TuneIn, on iHeartRadio, and we also have the phone apps in the App Store for your particular phone. And just in case we activated your Echo Dot, Alexa, stop. Stand up for America. Then Americans, stand up, stand up, stand up. God bless you. God bless America. That's D-Rock's latest release, I Am an American. Get it wherever music is sold. And, of course, I was honored, blessed to lend my voice to the opening of his wildly popular new song, I Am an American. I heard it actually playing loud and proud throughout the Fruited Plains over this past 4th of July, Independence Day uh, week and weekend. And on with me is uh, retired veteran of the United States Air Force. She is uh, one of our native daughters. Robin O'Bannon is on with me, and uh, it has been an absolutely insightful uh, conversation, provocative, stimulating, all of those adjectives that you can bring to bear. It has been that type of discussion. Robin, uh, the question of is there a can of worms that can be opened if, in fact, we go down the reparations trail uh, is one that I'd like to pose to you. Uh, are there are there more more benefits to it uh, by starting to open up the purse strings than uh, more there are more uh, negatives to it than benefits if we start to open up the purse strings uh, for those who feel they have a grievance against um, uh, the government for chattel slavery. What about those who, in fact, lost relatives freeing the chattel slaves who may have never seen a slave talk to us uh balance that for us you you have you're very adept at at walking fine lines i can tell that i can tell and so please uh talk to us about this give us your take on it oh uh let's see um do i think um that it would be opening a negative can of worms to open the purse purse strings at this time the short answer is yes I do, because we don't have a, a clear understanding of, uh, of how we got to this place. Um, and we don't, uh, we don't um, see that history is actually repeating itself because we are focused on the, on the wrong thing. So the short answer to that one is, is yes. And as for the 700,000 plus 
um, young uh, white men and boys who died over the matter of black lives. This is why I emphasize the fact that this is an American problem. Because those are our brothers, those those who may never have even even seen a slave, never held a slave, uh, yet they uh, they they went to war. I, I love the way that Ted explains this. Is that, you know, even though the war was over was over black lives, that war, that division, that divided house is is is, is white men and white men. Not white men and black men. So let's let's uh, so so that's one of those fine lines that needs to be clarified. Um, and another thing is this is not about skin color. If we could just get past this whole skin color thing that's only been in existence for less than three hundred years, actually, um, that's a whole other that's a whole other conversation. CL, we could actually see that this is about it's not about skin color. It's about an experience. Um, and 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 let me go here. Um, and and I hope you forgive me for going here. If you need to edit this, go ahead and edit it. But I promise I'm not going to cuss. <laughs> it's, it's that when President Barack Obama, when President Barack Obama was elected, uh, I was living in Chicago at the time, and it was like a huge religious experience. And I got cursed out by a lot, a lot of members of my family, because that wasn't where my vote went. Um, and I had my own personal reasons for that as a retired veteran who was really struggling, uh, raising my two boys by myself, and and dealing with uh, with the Department of Veterans Affairs on a, a whole other conversation. But he was literally elected because of the color of his skin. And I'm thinking, why did we buy into this? What indoctrination have we all gone through that made that okay? And at the time, I was working part-time in a dental office where uh, I was the only brown spot in the office. And one of the only people that did not that did not <laughs> vote for <laughs> for uh, for Barack Obama, and the reason why it didn't work for me was because, and I didn't understand it then like I understand it now, CL, is that he did not share that experience. Michelle did, but he did not come from that experience. This is not about skin color; it is about. An experience, Absolutely. and where we have descended from, and Absolutely. and our lack of understanding of that. So yes, Absolutely. that you know, idea to open up the purse strings because you know writing a check that's appeasement, and appeasement that's that has not worked for us so far. Absolutely. And, you know, appeasement is never good, folks, when you look at it from that standpoint. Uh, Robin, you know, I, I've, I've often uh, we, we've got to got to talk offline uh, because there's much more um, uh, meat on this bone. But just the same, uh, I've often said that uh, I could have actually swallowed, even though I may not have ever voted for him, uh, either one of these candidates I'm about to mention. I could have actually swallowed the, the nomination of Al Sharpton or Jesse Jackson much easier than I could have swallowed the nomination of Barack Hussein Obama because at least Al and Jesse did come from the American, historically, the experience that I did. I could have related to them uh, even more, even Correct. though their, their policies uh, were something I probably would have voted against anyway. But just the same then, let's uh, talk about this. have about seven minutes left in uh, the conversation with with you here today. But I, I have to ask you this question because it, it would be interesting for the audience to get your take on how is it possible that uh, those of us who uh, have been in this nation uh, through our descendants over 400 years.
leaders uh, don't seem to be able to harness the advantages that those who come here from Vietnam, Nigeria, uh, Ethiopia, Somalia, as um, Representative Omar has definitely taken advantage of the American experience. Why is it that we seem to stand on the sidelines to those who are recent immigrants to this country? How is it that the American black person is not fully understanding the fruits that are available to them of liberty in this nation? Talk to us about that. I believe it's an issue of identity, CL, and I'll try to get through this without uh, without crying. <laughs> it's an issue of identity. Um, we don't know who we are. We don't know um, we have come to believe um, uh, the false narratives about ourselves and, and our, our brothers and sisters that come from European ancestry have come to believe those two. That's what I mean when I say that there's a, an indoctrination that we have all gone through. And the evidence of that indoctrination, one of the most glaring uh, examples of that indoctrination is the fact that we buy into the black, white, red, yellow, brown. These are all uh, man-made uh, categories and groupings um, that, that God has nothing to do with. If we could see ourselves as God sees us first, and as society sees a second, then we would be able to to grasp, and we would be able to grasp the the liberty and the and the gifts that have been that we've been endowed with. Um, this indoctrination is something that our brothers and sisters from other nations uh, are not privy to. So America is not just a place. America is an experience, and our experience has been. Um, has been significantly different than those who are coming from outside of the country. Um, it can be a little bit messy, like families can sometimes be. Uh, and right now, we we, we are messy. And, and, yeah, yeah. And you don't invite company into your house when your house is messy. That's right. <laughs> so. That's right. That's right. But you know what, Robin? Yeah, you know what? It, when you invite guests into your home, you at least expect them to like you when you invite them there. When, when you invite them in, but then what sometimes we're seeing, especially with this Omar thing, I, I am just a, 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 a appalled sometimes at uh, Ilian uh, uh, Omar uh, of the fifth district there in Minnesota. Uh, I have nothing against her faith or her religion. Uh, that's her own. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, she's perfectly uh, within her rights as I am within mine to exercise her faith in this country. But it seems as though there is a, a person born in Mogadishu, Somalia. Uh, who was embraced by America and the benefits that she enjoy now uh, is because her family came to this nation, but yet she displays this blatant distaste for our country. Should we not at least expect those who come into our nation to at least like us? Am I, am I under overstating that, that how, how do you deal? How do you talk to that? Talk to us, Robin. Well, my mom always said that you show people how to treat you. Um, and there are things that, that we, uh, that we do uh, in, this, in this nation to one another that um, allow us to let somebody else come in and tell us who we are. And 
when when you don't know who you are, um, then it's really easy for someone else to come in and define you. Because really what should happen when we are secure in our identity and we are secure in the creator who made us, when someone comes into our home and, uh, and misbehaves or they act up or they act out, we can look at them and say, yeah, see, we're not doing that here today. But we are not in that place because of what we have, what, what we have uh, that unfinished business. And, and that's what I'm saying. We need to be looking at root causes. Again, Miss um, Mogadishu is a, um, is a symptom people that come into our country that don't like us and we allow them to behave in this way instead of telling them that we'll pick a better country you can't but you got to go uh, instead of doing that you know when we we have people I'm losing my train of thought but when we have people that do that um, it, it it's a symptom of unfinished business all of this is a symptom of unfinished business so we have a root cause that we have not dealt with, we have not addressed, we have looked at everything else but that root cause. And what lies at the root, in my, in my belief, is that we have turned away from God, and we have done so in such egregious ways, it's not that he's punishing us. It's that we have stepped from underneath his umbrella of protection that offers us further light knowledge. Wow. Because an enlightened people would not let someone come into their 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 um into their their home and not play well with the other children wow seriously what are we doing here <laughs> uh, i gotta have you back gotta have you back but, but before thing. you go tell us how to get a hold of you how do people get you to where they are and where do they contact you oh bless you well we were talking about the promissory note um and and ted and i have developed um, an educational uh, an educational platform called the Promissory Note Project, and we are at www.thepromissorynote.com. This is phase one of um, of a project that we will be, that we believe will be our life's work. I know it will be my life's work. I feel like it is my calling, um, and it really is about um, educating ourselves on the very basics. Um, what's on the web page? Uh, the first where you land on the web page is actually a petition, and we've not talked about that. And it's calling for the full execution of the Civil Rights Act of 1866 for the first time in the history of this republic. And we didn't come to that just arbitrarily. We came through that by looking and seeking out root causes and seeking out points of origin and seeking them out in love and seeking them through the lens of divine providence so our brothers and sisters in the nation can know uh, can know where to go and to know what to look at and to continue their own self-education. If there's anything I would want to say um, at, in this conversation that we're having today, CL, is that this time in history, regardless seconds, of what seconds, Robin, look 10 like, seconds, 10 seconds. There is, there is no group with more power, no group of Americans better poised to save the nation than the descendants of chapel gotta go robin god bless you god keep you we'll talk to you real soon the loving liberty radio network where like-minded people are welcome to share ideas